0: welcome to the dad presents make sure you're following the show wherever you're listening and wherever you are out in the world spread that love of liberty let's go all right guys thanks for checking out the dad presents please subscribe to the show share it with a friend and tell your mama about us now um from time to time on the dad presents you know we like to check in with the kids this summer we had on conservative superstar Daniel Schmidt uh, he helped ease our concerns that this new generation has lost their friggin' minds. Um, and now, today, we bring you Ezra Wyrick. Ezra is a, a radical individualist from Eastern Tennessee. He graduated high school last year. And in a world where it seems like the majority of people have just embraced authoritarianism and become consumed by groupthink, he's the rare young person who thinks for himself, which we love, and he advocates for liberty. Ezra, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, right on. Did I say your last name correctly? You did. Okay, good, good. Um, I'm, I'm bad at those. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you described yourself to me as a, a radical individualist, and people describe themselves with all kinds of different political adjectives or labels, categorizations. Uh, what do you mean by that? What is a radical individualist?
1: Well, I think radical individualism is believing in the right of every human uh, to govern themselves and to not be governed by outside sources, especially not by uh, collections of power in one place known as states. Yes. Uh, State power, state authority. But radical individualism, I mean, we try to put a label on everything, right? right? We try to give everybody a label. Everybody has to have a label ideology is a hard thing to label i think the terms left and right are just you know not that they're they're not they're not correct uh the spectrum is not correct when they talk about the political compass and how you have this left over here you know right over here and i don't i don't think that's correct but if if i had to label my ideology i would say that i'm a radical individualist believing in radical individualism
0: okay yeah i mean it sounds like libertarian or maybe a little bit anarchist. Um a little bit. Yeah, left left and right. It's like that's where the world has gone. Let you're left, you're on the left or you're on the right. It's two choices and depending on if you pick the left or the right, like every single one of your opinions we now know because you're left or right. And that's just not how people work. Like, or at least that's not how people should work. Like you, you should be left on some things. You should be right on some things. You should be neither of those things on some things. Like if you're, if you describe yourself as I'm on the left or I'm on the right, and I now know everything you believe in, then you're just in, you're an idiot who, who has no thoughts. You've just subscribed to, uh, you know, whatever CNN or Fox news tells you, you, you have no thoughts of your own. You've chosen um, a tribe and you're not yeah. thinking. Tribalism, tribalism, exactly. Yes. Okay. So um when I graduated high school, okay, so you just graduated. When I graduated high school, college cost at that time cost me 40 grand a year, which I thought was outrageous. Now we're talking way back in the 90s before you were born. That's when I went to college. I'm that old. Um, and when I when I graduated, I owed well into the six figures, and it took me creating a business and then selling that business for you know seven figures. 25 years later after the fact to actually pay all of this. So the economy, when I graduated, was scary. It was was scary, but compared to what we're looking at today, compared to what you kids are looking at today, um, this economic death spiral, we we had a cakewalk. So how concerned are you and how concerned are most kids your age about your economic future?
1: Very concerned. Um, Because kids, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old, they 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 get out of high school, they go to they might go to college, they might not, maybe they go to trade school, maybe they find, you know, another career path. Maybe they go into real estate, whatever the case may be, uh, depending on whether or not they want to go to college. Um, but they don't have a lot of money. I yeah. mean, uh they they tend to, you know, have a job here and there. Maybe some they're looking for employment. They're uh they're weighing their options, you know, they're just basically, you know, hanging out. But you can't really do that whenever the economy is, you know, is not in the right place. If you don't have a strong economy, the young people, you know, the young people, they want to uh, they want to wait around a little while, see what job they want to get into, what career they want to get into. The problem is that these students, uh, when inflation is so high, uh, when when the cost of everything is just skyrocketing, it's very hard for young people, very hard, especially for students to, you know, get their foot in the door of real life because it makes it makes it, it makes it a lot harder. Um, yeah, it make, makes it a lot harder, especially gas prices. Whenever teenagers start driving, they get the driver's license. Uh, gas prices makes it very difficult uh, and they don't have much money. So, yeah, we're, we're very and personally, I'm very concerned about the state of the economy. And I'm even more concerned that people in academia and the popular quote unquote economists of today's time don't even understand the problem let alone have solutions to the problem.
0: yeah that is, that is scary that's very scary Maybe they don't understand it or maybe they do understand it and they're just uh, bad actors because yeah I was going through your your timeline your Twitter timeline and from what I read you and an 18 year old kid with a high school education seem to have a better understanding of supply and demand, and inflation and what that actually is, than Robert Reich, who's like our go-to guy from the Biden administration on the economy. Like he he seems to think inflation is not real. It's just companies wanting to gouge people, which they're not on any level does that make any sense. So that's pretty terrifying. that the top advisors to the administration either don't understand basic economics or they do, and they're just lying because they have bad intentions. Now, when I went to school, um, when I went to school, high school and college, I didn't know shit about economics. Right? Didn't know shit. They didn't teach me shit. There was th- I had no economics class. Um, so I went out into the real world, like I said, with six figures of debt, not really even understanding what money actually is, or having any kind of plan of how I was going to pay back this debt. So. Um, you just got out of school. Has that changed? When you were in high school, did they teach you economics at all? Did you learn this is what money is? Did you learn supply and demand? Was any of that taught to you in school or did you learn on your own?
1: Well, I did not fall victim to the public education system. I was schooled through a home program, which right. is so much better. And I highly recommend it uh, You know, for parents that do have the time to do that. Um, but yeah, economics class was, was pretty basic. Um, you did not learn economics from a perspective. Really you just learned the basic you know the basic uh, principles of economics in general, not necessarily uh, from one viewpoint or another. you did they didn't try to cram Keynesian garbage down your throat. they didn't try to cram Austrian economics down your throat. you were basically given the tools to find the answers for yourself. and I think that's the way that education, particularly in the economic sense should work. You should give children, you should give students the tools, to find yeah. out the answers for themselves, plant the seeds and let them cultivate the crop. You should not try to jam whatever economic ideology is, your economic ideology down their throats. You should give them the tools and let them find the answers and figure things out for themselves.
0: Yeah, you're talking about, I come from a family of teachers, um, my, my dad, my mom, uh, my sister. And what you're talking about is teaching kids how to uh, think, teaching them how to think, how to think, teaching them how to process logic, which is why, you know, like math and whatnot is important because math is logic rather than just filling their head with ideas. Like my kids come home from school now um, and my fifth grader for the for this entire semester, which starts in August. We're now in October. They've spent the entire semester trying to memorize the 50 states and the capitals. And my wife every night is working with him on this stuff and pulling her hair out and they're fighting. I'm like, this is fucking nonsense. Like who gives a shit? Who, who actually gives a shit like teach my child? He I, I swear these kids learn more from me at dinner time, just talking about life and talking about current state of the world than they learn in school. And it's shameful. They don't teach kids how to use their heads, how to process logic. And that that's terrible. It's, and that explains a lot to how we've gotten to this point. So it does. Yeah, the economy's the economy's bad. Inflation's out of control. It's tough for kids. Number one, if you're going to school, school so much. Number two, if you're not going to school, trying to get out there and and uh, start your life out, you got the the cost of gas. What is your actual plan? What are you going to do? Well, you know,
1: I have a lot of opportunities. Incidentally, my Twitter commentary has turned a lot of heads, and uh, I have had I have had offers, and uh, I'm actually going offers. To- you mean
0: like job offers?
1: Yeah. Okay. Job offers, yep, job offers, and I'm actually going to San Antonio to talk with someone about a job offer out there. You know, in this sphere, in the movement, the Liberty movement, uh, activism is is a big thing. But you know, you can't make much money doing activism. Yeah. Uh, so you know, communications is another thing. You can make some money doing communications for organizations. Uh, but then, but then there's always you know other opportunities. There's always the opportunity to pass on knowledge. I mean, uh, people talk to me about you know maybe taking a job in the future teaching at a charter school teaching economics, uh, which I actually think is is a great option. Um, but I mean I'm not really certain you know at this point it's like the crossroads in life right you don't know what you want to go to college, you don't know what you want to do. you just want to do something until you can make those decisions. you have to have a little bit of sustenance to you know before you can make those kind of decisions. And it makes it hard in this economy to do that because you have to have it, you have to be making enough money in the first place. And yeah. uh with inflation, it's very hard to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said there's not much money in activism. There's not much money in the kind of activism you're doing, which is for liberty, right? But if you want to be a fucking sellout and go work for the Republicans. You could you could make a decent living, right? Because you're mm-hmm. getting you get you got that whole party behind you and you got that all that state of corruption behind you. And that explains why so many of the, the biggest young talent they do sell out. They do sell out because they're trying to make a living. You got to look out for yourself. Um, and you also also mentioned possibly teaching economics. Um, I, I don't know the laws on that. But I would assume for you to do that, you would then have to first go to a four-year school, get a bachelor's degree, and then you're in that that whole cycle. Like is, is that what that would require for you? Not with a charter school.
1: All you have okay. to have is a high school education to teach at a charter school. The, the rules are a lot more, you know, you know, the rule the rules are a lot more lax because it's not a government monopoly. It's uh they actually let people teach that want to teach. You don't have to go to a four-year school.
0: Gotcha. So a charter school is not under the, the same rules as the public schools. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, that that's an avenue that you should definitely explore. Um, so you've already written off the, you're a smart kid, obviously. You've already written off the idea of college. Like that's that's out? Not completely, but um, for now, yes. Yeah. Um, so- I went to college. I've regretted it since. I mean, I had I had a great time in college. I partied my ass off. I, I had a, I had a good time, but I didn't have hundred thousand dollars of debt. Good time, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it set me up in a situation where I then had to go and have a career um, and start a business in the field I was educated in, just in order to make that monthly. Uh, debt payment. Now Biden has given this 10k of debt forgiveness to college kids. So number one, I want to ask you, as a, as a kid who's not coming to college, how do you feel about all your your, you know, contemporaries going to college and getting knowing that they have that debt forgiveness in their back pocket, and what do you expect that to to do in the future as far as the cost of college goes? Well, it's
1: going to skyrocket the tuition. And not only that, you have to remember, this isn't this is not forgiveness of debt. You can't just magically forgive debt, especially not student debt. What this is, is a transfer of debt from the person who took out the debt to the taxpayer, the tax cap, the person that always to go to whenever you don't want to pay your own bills for government and apparently for individuals now as well. Canceling student debt, you cannot cancel student debt, you have to transfer it over to someone else. But I mean, if you understand, you know, supply and demand cycle, if you understand basic economics, you recognize that can't quote unquote canceling student debt is going to cause problems because it's going to raise tuition costs. And it's uh, going uh, to Okay, further. I agree,
0: I agree with you. But how why do you say that? Why would it explain to people why it would raise tuition costs?
1: It would raise tuition costs because um, because the government, when whenever the government got gets involved with that, with that whole process, you all you always see prices raise, right? So the federal um, let's see what do you call it, the federal education monopoly, or not the education monopoly, the student loans program. The student loans program in the first place raises tuition costs. And you know, here, here's here's a question. Here's a question for you. Don't these colleges? Don't these universities get massive payouts from the government? Do they not get uh, grants? They don't, get don't, grants. They, don't they get don't they get grants like major Ivy League universities get? Yeah, grants? they get grants, and then why they can get they endowments
0: not... that are write-offs for the people giving them the endowments? Well, again, here's, here's right.
1: a here's my question: Why can't these universities that get these grants use that money to pay to pay off if they really want to forgive the debt? Why don't they use that money to pay off the loan? Well, or they're... Or why don't well they just cancel the interest on the debt? Yeah. Or why don't you allow students to declare bankruptcy on the debt and right. not have it go against them personally?
0: Yes. There's a lot
1: of things, there's a lot of things that go into it. And I don't claim to be an expert, right? So, you know, I have to I have to really, you know, look into it, really look to see, you know, how exactly it's going to raise tuition costs and how exactly that whole process is going to work. But uh, the number one rule of economics, especially, you know, especially from the Austrian perspective, is that if government get involved, gets involved with it, it's going to raise prices.
0: Yes. percent.
1: yeah. And the federal student loans program is just, you know, why, why is the federal government loaning money to students to go to to go to school, pay for school? I mean, yeah. it's it's supposed to be it, it's a debt that you have to take out. Right. It's a loan. But I mean, if it's a loan, you're expected to pay it back. And too many of these students went to college. They got a useless degree and uh, they can't get a job off the degree that they have now. So they want someone else to pay their bills. And I don't think anyone, uh, aside from the students themselves, and maybe some people that don't understand basic economics are on board with that issue. I know the taxpayers aren't on board with that issue.
0: Yeah expressvpn.com slash the dad look guys the fbi and nsa they're tracking you man if you're a parent and you use the word liberty or patriot in your bio on twitter or whatever or you talk about it on facebook guess what they're spending money to track your web activity last year alone four million americans were tracked that data recently came out Four million Americans were spied on by the FBI, and they're not going after the lefties. So protect yourself and protect your family with a VPN blocker from expressvpn.com slash the dad. There's just no reason to not do this. At this point, you get three free months. If you don't like it by the fourth month, you cancel Canceled by month four, you never pay for it. So try it out, expressvpn.com slash the dad. Protect yourself, protect your privacy, protect your family. Our second sponsor is zstacklife.com slash the dad. Guys, COVID's still here. Still here. People aren't dying from it, but you don't want to get it. I had it. It's no fun. Flu season's coming back around. Get your body right and ready and healthy. Exercise. Eat right and get all the vitamins you need for a strong immune system in one dose from Z Stack Life, which was created by the great Dr. Zelenko, who was one of the first brave doctors to stand up and fight against the COVID regime. Go to slash the dad, get 15% off, get your body right. Let's get back into the show. Yeah. You hit on a few things, right? So you you mentioned uh, bankruptcy. So I, I went through a bankruptcy. I got caught up in the last uh, real estate bubble. 2000, what was that? Like 2008. I started buying houses in 2004. I worked hard. I was paying down my debt. I had a little extra money. I'm like, let's buy a house. Then of course, because of this government program that anybody could get uh, a home loan, uh, the the value of my home started exploding because everybody was buying a house and people were paying interest only on these mortgages. So they're not even paying their mortgage, they're just paying the interest on the mortgage, which by the way, oh, in five years, that mortgage rate is going to change. So the whole thing was just set up to be a disaster from the start. And I was a little bit older than you, probably about 24, 25. Didn't know shit about the economy. All I know is I bought a house and it doubled in value in a year. So I took a, I took a loan on that house and I bought three more houses by 2008 I had eight houses the whole thing fell apart i declared bankruptcy because they were all upside down but oh guess what my student debt i couldn't get out of that debt that bankruptcy did not solve that could not get out of it so that was clearly a deal between the bankers and and the colleges and government to protect those interests so i couldn't get out of that debt so no now number 1 if you know that nobody can get out of that debt, of course, you're going to raise the prices. Number two, the government got involved in giving student loans. So anybody essentially can qualify for a student loan, whether they have the means to pay for it or not. Anybody in the country, if they want to go to college, can can qualify for a loan, no matter what they're going to major in, no matter matter of their capacity to pay that back, no matter of their family's capacity to pay that back. So Mm -hmm. they're going to get the loan. There's and they cannot ever get out of that loan. So these these colleges, well, they're businesses. They're gonna jack that price up. Why? If if you're gonna if I'm selling cars, and I know that the government is gonna help people buy those cars, and that if people can't pay for the money they borrowed to buy those cars, that they're gonna be enslaved to me forever. Well, I'm gonna charge a million dollars per car, and that's that's the economics of the issue. Yeah, that's, is. that's
1: what's happened. And that's that's what nobody looks at. That's what nobody looks at. You know, even myself, even other people that talk about it. You know, you don't really you don't really look into, you know, the economics of the issue. People that do look into the economics of the issue, you know, should be admired because most people don't do that. Most people think that just something happens and it's just happening. and There's not some process there, but right. nothing that happens. I always say every issue is an economic issue. Anything you're doing in your life, anything the government does, anything that private businesses do, it's an economic issue. I mean, no matter how small it is, it can all be traced back to economics. I think economics is an all-encompassing science because you can pretty much say anything is an economic issue.
0: It's absolutely everything. I I don't know if you've heard the old expression, follow the money. But Mm -hmm. if you want to find the center of any problem or any corruption, follow the money trail, and you're going to get your answer out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, Okay. Switching, switching. I want to come back to economics, but switching to something a little more fun um, and relevant. When I was your age, when I was 18, a hundred years ago, <laughs> the only thing I cared about at your age was getting girls to show me their boobs. That's it. That was, that was the only thought on my mind at all times. Now, now kids today in, in general, you guys I, I see it in my kids. I see it in their friends. You grow up and mature much faster. Um, and you're more worldly. People young kids know more than we knew. We were we were a bunch of dumb shits. Why do you think this is? Uh why do you think kids grow up faster today? Is it te- is it necessity, <clears throat> technology, the spread of information, television? What is it? It's probably technology, it's probably
1: information that y'all didn't know about unless you went to college, is now available to anyone on the world wide web and i don't know if that's necessarily an asset or if that's uh, a problem but i think technology has definitely made young people have a lot more access to not just knowledge but things that young people should not have access to sure and the spread of technology has i i think it's it's uh it's kind of a two-edged sword
0: yeah okay so you said some things they should not have access to that reminds me of the other young fellow we had on the show, Daniel Schmidt, we got into the topic of porn and he, he's under the impression that porn is destroying young people. He's, he's coming at it from the conservative angle. Now, I know you're somewhat of a libertarian, anarchist, whatever. Um, so I would imagine that you think these companies should be able to put out whatever they want out into the stratosphere and people should be able to consume what they want. I don't know. How do you feel about porn in social media, on Twitter, on Twitter? All that, and should anything be done about it?
1: No, you shouldn't have any kind of regulation for what goes out into the web, not from governmental angle. Um, if you want to, I hear conservatives say all the time, you know, well, porn is bad. We should just ban it. If you ban porn, uh, you want to see a black market industry. You want to see uh, there'll be more pornography in the hands of more people than yeah. ever before, yes. because. The black market will step in. They'll solve that issue. And that's what happens anytime you try to prohibit something. I don't care how much, how morally objectionable you think something is. If you want to ban it, if it's a a commodity and you want to ban it, then you're going to see the economic response to that issue, which is black markets and grey markets every single time. So, no, pornography should not be banned. You should not. The government should not ban pornography. That's ridiculous to think about because. You cannot ban pornography. Literally, probably ninety percent of the population, ninety percent of every country's population, I venture to say, uh, has at one point or another watched porn. I mean, it's just a fact. Yeah, it's it's something that, with the spread of technology, with the way technology is today, it's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier to access uh, with computers, with technology, with the internet, with the World Wide Web, but. You know, pornography is not a twenty-first century thing. No. I mean, I mean, in the twentieth century you had the magazines and before that, I mean, heck, the ancient Greeks built nude statues and had and uh the cavemen had nude drawings on
0: cave yeah, right. walls.
1: So it's yeah. not it's not a new thing. It's something that's you know very prevalent. It's it's a human thing. It's not a 21st century thing
0: yeah I, I agree with you the government should not step in absolutely agree with you. however i I do think that porn is destructive to young minds and absolutely. society when I when I was a kid when I was a kid and you know we wanted to get our you know young man on and, and get some porn we had to sneak up into our daddy's attic or we had to go out there used to be a place in my hometown called the pit okay the pit was a garbage dump. All right. At the bottom of this garbage dump was a couch under that couch was about 20 playboys. Every kid in town would would hoof it down to the pit, (laughs) go down the pit, down to this couch and take turns on these magazines. That's how hard it was to get porn. It was a different thing. You had to work for your porn. Right. And the porn back then was I, I don't know if you've seen, you know, old, old timey porn. It's it's not what it is today. It was girls with, you know, Titties. That was porn. Titties and maybe a big old hairy muff. Right. That was that was porn. Now, the stuff is the t- the stuff is twisted. It's sick. It's it's violent. There's choking. I don't think it's good for young men or young women to see to to get their ideas of sexuality. No, it's not these, because it creates, it creates
1: it creates yeah. a false pretense. It creates false. It creates false expectations. Yes. uh Like if you think you're going to I mean, if you're going to have those, if you think you're going to have those experiences like that are fantasized in pornography, then you're,
0: you're not, you're not,
1: and you're going to be disappointed with the actual
0: experiences. Or or as a a young lady, you might think you need to do these kind of things. You might need to let a guy choke you or, you know, or Mm -hmm. as a young man, you might think that's a normal way to express your love to a woman. So yeah, we both Mm -hmm. agree. It's, we both agree. It's a problem. We both oh, yeah. agree government should not step in and do something about it. So what the hell is the solution? What what happens? There isn't one. There is no solution.
1: <laughs> you, you, can't, you, you can't have a solution to something like that. I mean, for some problems, there just simply isn't a solution. Solution to pornography, solution to, you know, a hypersexualized society, which is what I feel like we have today. We have a hypersexual society. Only real solution is to change culture. And yeah. there are well, there's your a solution. Of, there are only a couple of avenues to change culture. Um, I mean, you can't really change culture overnight. And you can't change culture via government. You can only change culture uh via adherence to religion, you know, religious principles, whatever the case may be, just general morality of a society. I mean. I think we've progressed some from the days of the ancient Greeks, whenever a bunch of old, you know, uh, philosopher, philosopher people, it was considered completely normal for them to, you know, have experiences with young boys. It was considered part of their culture. I think we've definitely progressed beyond that. and Definitely realized that that is messed up,
0: but we are still a very high sexual species. Interesting. You say that we've, we've, we've come around to, to, to understand that's wrong, but it seems like we've started sexualizing children again. We have. uh, And we're now, and it seems like we may be entering a new era where we're starting to look at the, we're normalizing those things. You know, they're not, they're not, if you want to have sex with a a young boy now, you're not a pedophile. You're a minor attracted person. Like that's a dangerous first step. You know, like culture's kind of, you change the language and you change the culture.
1: It is. It's very dangerous. Um, And you had to be careful how you approach that issue. Because if libertarians say the words "age of consent," everybody thinks we're, <laughs> you know, crazy. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, government—you know—government sets the government sets the rules. Government picks a number. Uh, I think eighteen is probably a good number. Some people would say it should be higher. Uh, it's sixteen in some states around the world. It can be a lot lower. It can be a lot higher. Uh, at the end of the day, I think people. Even if you disagree with, like, you think it should be younger, you think it should be older, I think there's a general agreement on what's not okay. Uh, yeah. A 20-year-old yeah, should not be hanging around with a 10-year-old. I mean, that's just common sense. Uh, but as far as the laws go, I mean, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever. Um, government will pick their numbers. Government will set their rules, and people will adhere to them. And the people that don't adhere to them wouldn't adhere to them in the first place, even if they didn't exist. They're going to do what they want.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Now, you, you also said that we're we're living in a, a highly sexualized society. I think we, we are. I, are we though? Because here's here's what I want to ask you. I like I said when I was your age that's all I thought about. I think that's natural for for young men you're being flooded with hormones. I've I've often said that um you know we should take boys when they hit puberty and lock them in a cage, throw raw meat and porn at them, leave them <laughs> for a decade and not not let them out of that cage till they get it out of their systems. Like like young men at least when I was that age young men were just live wires, right? I read a lot of statistics now that young people have just stopped having sex. Is that is Do you not buy into that? Do you not think that's true? Young people have not stopped having sex. (laughs) Young people have stopped having kids. Okay.
1: And that's a problem because that decreases the birth rate. And uh, especially whenever you have a a strong anti-immigration angle uh, coming from the political scene, that's also a problem. Because if you have a low birth rate, you you need immigration to offset. And I don't think conservatives get it. They don't they don't understand that immigration is a positive. But I mean, not to stray too far into the weeds, but that's that's one angle. I don't think young people have stopped having sex. Young people are having more sex than ever. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you've got uh, colleges, even high schools like it's it's still young people are just as sexual as ever, if not more so with uh, the uh, the spread of technology and the fast spread of information, you know, at right at your fingertips. But I do think there are some people out there, uh, some young people who uh, don't want, you know, don't want to do that because they feel like it's not gratifying enough. There's some people out there that feel like um, pornography is a more gratifying experience than actual sex. And that's a huge issue, especially, especially when you consider the fact that the birth rate is so low. And I don't think it's, it's even, it's not even sex. It's like, um, Well, there's abortion. Obviously, that's one angle. And uh, then there's young people that simply just don't want to have children because they feel like bringing kids into the into this world would be uh, a crime of some sort. Like it would be a crime against future generations because you're bringing them into an uncertain world. And if everybody had that mentality, we'd go extinct. So, Yeah. yeah, it's a problem.
0: Well, there's also a lot of people, a lot of young people also don't want to have kids getting back to the economic issue. that can't afford it, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah. And uh, an economy that does not allow for starting a family. If you can't have kids because the economy is that bad, then uh, that's an economy teetering on the brink of collapse.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, we're out here in California and I, I ran my own business that did very well. And even my wife, my wife worked. Even us, we waited to have kids because it just, it wasn't financially, it would have been put us in a very bad spot had we done it right off the bat. So if a middle, if a upper middle-class family is hesitant to have kids and nobody has, you know, I came from a family of five, nobody has five kids anymore, unless you're on, you know, the government tip, those are the only people doing it and they're doing it so that they can get a bigger check from the government. The welfare kings and welfare yeah, queens. That's not good. That's not good. So those are the wrong people that are populating all the kids. Um we we're in trouble if upper middle class families can't afford families. Yep. We're in yeah. big trouble. Yeah. Um I feel that um You said earlier, everything, everything comes back to economics. And I think that's so true. I feel that a lot of society gets trapped in these silly social arguments, like, like gay marriage, marijuana, that kind of stuff. And I I think they're just, for the most part, those are distractions that turn people against each other and get them. We, they get us fighting with each other over these social issues that really aren't all that important. And while we're fighting with each other, they just rob us blind. That's what's happening. We're getting fucked. We're getting fucked from the elites, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, libertarian, whatever. They're screwing you. They're stealing your money while you're arguing about trans bathrooms, right? Um, so, number one, I guess, how I, basically I, I feel like they have trans people, they have the right to change their gender, right? They have that right. That's up yeah. to them. Our tax dollars should not pay for it. Trans women shouldn't be competing against regular women, but I really don't care that much. It's just not that important. How do you feel about these issues? And how do people your age largely feel about these issues? Is it on the forefront of their mind? Is it the most important thing to them? Or do or do young people get that they're just like being distracted?
1: Uh, Gen Z tends to be a lot more liberal cultural issues. Um, but, you know, personally, I feel like, yeah, Friends, individuals do have a right to do whatever, and you have a right to do whatever you want with your own body. Um, the problem arises whenever you try to force any ideology, not just gender ideology, on children, or you try to groom them, quote unquote, to uh, adhere to that kind of a lifestyle. You try to, I don't want to say normalize, because, you know, normalization, destigmatization is not necessarily a bad thing, but. It is whenever you're trying to force it on children. Uh, You know, we move forward, we progress as a society, but the wheels of progress are turning. And I think they're turning too fast right now Uh, because progress, if progress means that your children will be expected to, you know, and basically uh, be taught that they can choose to be whatever they want to be, even as a even as a child. And you're not to be notified of that. And they're to just have like a secret life in school. And then they come home and you're like, what the heck is happening to my kid? No, that's that's not acceptable. Uh, That's not acceptable on any basis. And it's not acceptable that you try to push any kind of ideology on children. I don't care if it's gender ideology. I don't care what it is. You should not push your uh, lifestyle on the
0: children. Yeah, that shouldn't be going on in schools, period. Um, you said you said it there's an attempt to normalize it. Uh, I don't see we're here in California. It's normalized. It's been normalized. my my 13 year old tells me he he legit tells me that every girl in his school that he knows except for five is either gay or bi or trans. We're talking at a school of three hundred girls. This is his statement about it. So clearly, it's been normalized. It's even become a bit of a, a, a fad because there's no way all those girls are actually gay or bi or trans. It's not exactly possible. Exactly. It's the is cool it the thing, same? Now right? you didn't go to you didn't go to public school, but is it like that in Eastern Tennessee? I can't imagine it is. No. No. Okay.
1: No, it is not. It's definitely a different culture. Um, it's not as much acceptance. I mean, there is a, like gay marriage or whatever, but uh, trans. Not exactly. But I think you hit on an important point. You said it's a fad. It is. It is a fad. Uh, young people tend to jump on the latest trend or whatever's cool or you know, whatever. What a, yeah, especially girls, especially women. Exactly. I have a hard time believing it. I got 300 girls uh, in a school and like only five of them aren't some LGBTQ plus identification. That's impossible. Yeah. But, you know, sexuality is... Basically, a spectrum. So, I mean, you know, young people experiment, young people try out new things. Young people might identify one way one day and then identify as another the next. It's just young people being young people. Uh, Very few of them will remain that way, I think. Um, But if they're constantly pushed... Uh, toward that toward that idea that yeah you have to remain this way because you know this is what's cool right now. If you're if you're in the in crowd if you're trans or you're in the in crowd if you're gay, then yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem because that's pushing them into a decision that they wouldn't otherwise make if they didn't think they were, you know, uh uh lowering their social status by being normal.
0: Right. Yeah. And again, going back to the point you made that everything is economic, it's, it's such a great point. So the government now is pushing this stuff, right? We, they're, they're pushing it in schools. Um, we have these, these trans uh, 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 stripper shows with children, You know, all kinds of stuff that government is now pushing. The government is not doing this because the government is filled with good people who want to do the right thing for society because government has never operated that way they will never operate that way they operate in their own best interest so do you wh- why do you think government is pushing these kind of ideas at this time do do you think that they believe that these ideas are popular with the majority of people and that's going to help them stay in power do you think that they see this as a way to distract people while they steal from them for their own personal what what is the the, the game plan you're guessing but in your best guess
1: degradation of culture is uh i mean the first step toward you know, you know government can do whatever they want to do as long as people are distracted with other issues um there's there's a uh, there's a meme where there's a like you know like you know like gen z tends to do or you know millennials tend to do memes are, are it now it's the big thing yeah and, and uh, there's a meme where a king and his uh and his vassal, or his uh, his second in command, or whatever the case may be, his knight, or standing on a castle on a on a, uh, a a um, let's see what a it up on a castle, and all the citizens are down below, and they've all got torches and pitchforks, and uh, the king's like, oh no no what what should I do what should I do and the knight's like, oh you don't have to fight them, like all you have to do is convince the torch people, that the pitchfork people yeah. want to take away their torches and the problem solved. Mm-hmm. So if you distract people with other issues, if you uh, if you distract people with cultural issues, if you degrade society enough where you have reactionaries that say, OK, this is crazy, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing, and then you have people on the opposite side of that spectrum say, oh, no, this is good, this is progress. And those two are just in an endless game of tug of war, mm-hmm. you know, dictating policy from the governmental level uh, to further their own ends, they're not paying attention to the fact that they're being robbed blind by the government. They're not paying attention to to the fact that their tax dollars are going towards endless wars. They're not paying attention to the fact that the government is printing trillions of dollars and screwing future generations. And even people that are alive today are being screwed on the economic front. But you don't really pay attention too much to the economic issues. If you've got cultural issues in your face being shoved into your face 24
0: 7 365 that's the goal that's man I, I i try to get at that every show i i've not seen that mean but yeah get the pitchfork people mad at the at the um what, what was the other one at the torch people at the torch people get the pitchfork people mad at the torch people they're fighting with each other and then you rob them both blind that's what happens government corporations use government, which is the most powerful entity on earth. They use government as their tool to steal from us. They distract us with these these stupid arguments about nothing, get us fighting with each other, and then they use government to steal from us. Government helps them steal from us. And in exchange, they give the people in government money to uh, further their campaigns and help them stay in power. It's a tip quid tat. pro quo
1: relationship. Tip for tat,
0: quid yep. pro quo, whatever you want to say. That's what it is, and we're the ones getting screwed. And it's good that at least some young people get that. And I'm glad you're not caught up in all the 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 nonsense of these these arguments. Don't be a pitchfork person. Don't be a torch person. <laughs> it's 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 yeah, stupid. Exactly. It's just so given that everything is economic, we've established that. Uh, how do you feel? Of, I, I've been big into Bitcoin since about 2014. I, I feel that everything is economic and most economic problems can be traced back, back to the fact that all of our money is controlled by government and the Federal Reserve. And there's no fix for that except to abolish the Federal Reserve or usurp their power by creating some new money. Therein lies bitcoin so i've been a bit big advocate for bitcoin i feel it can fix the economy because it it gives the power back to us how do you feel about bitcoin how do you feel about crypto in general bitcoin is a huge
1: is a positive uh because it is a decentralized cryptocurrency government cannot control it and that's why they're afraid of it. Uh, they want to regulate it but they can't figure out a way to regulate it because the people that designed bitcoin designed it to be impervious to government designed it to be impervious to regulation and anytime government has something that they don't understand and they can't control, they get very afraid. of, it. And they're afraid of Bitcoin. They're afraid of cryptocurrency in general. But Bitcoin seems to be the one that is, you know, the most decentralized. That it's the most, you know, vile. Uh, but the problem with cryptocurrency in general, like we have to tread carefully. here. Because if we talk about cryptocurrency and how awesome it would be to have all our money, you know, be. Uh, all you have to do is like scan some code at the grocery store. and You can go on and do whatever. Like if uh, if we didn't have cash, if we didn't have to deal with paper money, if we didn't have to actually exchange anything, we could just do it online. We could just do it via the web, via the internet. Or, you know, the problem here is that government uh, is very much, a, they're very willing to oblige us. They're very willing to have a, Centralized uh, digital currency. They're very willing to have a cashless society. They just don't want a decentralized cashless society. They want to get ahead of that train and they want to say, okay, if y'all want a cryptocurrency, if y'all want money to be crypto, okay, yeah, your wish is my command. We're just going to have a Chinese style social credit system. We'll tie it to your money. If you're a dissident, well, guess what? You're not going to buy anything, you're not going to sell anything. Because we control you right now, because we control your money even more so than we can control it when it was cash. Mm-hmm. If you put your money into a digital system and you give government control of it, you become a slave to the government, plain and simple.
0: Yes. So you you say they would welcome it, a uh, mm-hmm. cashless society. They they've even nudged us in that direction. You know, when when COVID hit, every everywhere was cashless, and that was at the direction of the government. Cash was mm-hmm out the window. Cash could not be used for like a solid year here in California. Uh, Some places still won't accept cash. So yeah, it's like cash is not great because the government can inflate it whenever they want. So it's not awesome, but it's definitely better than a central bank digital currency. And people do need to make that distinction. Bitcoin is decentralized. Nobody controls it. Mm -hmm. A, A centralized digital currency would be the worst of all, avenues because it's it's like cash and that they can inflate it whenever they want but unlike cash they can steal your digital currency just you know with a couple keystrokes they can just take away all your money and your ability to purchase anything they can you let me, tell, do you, that let me tell you
1: how this would work sent a central bank digital currency and uh you know a lot of people talk about how oh, this is conspiracy theory no this is this is government you know just uh coming to their own. This is the chickens coming home to roost. This is government saying, okay, so you don't like the government. So you said something negative about the government on social media. Say you tweeted at the president, you said he's doing a terrible job and that the government sucks, right? Okay, you don't have cash in your wallet. Cash doesn't exist. I mean, it's worthless in the first place, but you don't have the paper. You don't have the physical uh, money. What you have is an account a uh, An account set up you know, via the web, it's a digital account, a digital money account. And all your, quote unquote, money is in there, right? Well, what is to stop the government from saying, OK, you tweeted out something negative about the government. So, you know, we're just going to click a button here and freeze your account. And, you know, whenever you start being a good citizen, maybe we'll let you buy and sell something or feed your family.
0: Yeah. And
1: that is uh, uh, that's the road to head.
0: That's, that's terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. That's,
1: that's a terrifying thought.
0: And 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 naysayers or naive people will say, well, th- that would never happen. The government will never do that. Well, I mean, Canada just did that to people. You know, the truckers, when they were protesting, they just froze their yep. bank accounts. Right? Bank accounts. Uh, here, uh, Kanye just had his bank accounts taken away. So they already are like legislating through money uh, your opinions. If you have the wrong opinions, you might lose your banking. Uh, so, what makes you think they won't take that next level? They absolutely will, especially when they have complete power to do so. Right now, they still have to go through institutions, and they have to get the institutions on board with these things, which they do through you know the way government does things. But if they just if they have complete control of your money, of course they will. So don't be naive. Um, all right. So most people your age are like people my age are very uh for the most part suspect about crypto. There's most people my age are not into it, they don't trust it, they think it's a ponzi scheme. Um they just don't they can't wrap their minds around it because they've been dealing with the US dollar their whole life and people my age did not grow up with technology. Is it more second nature to people your age or a lot more people your age into crypto and into bitcoin specifically?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a lot more young people are into technology in general um yeah yeah cryptocurrency especially yeah nfts that kind of thing which i personally think are kind of ridiculous yeah me <laughs> um but yeah i mean people people should be able to use whatever medium of exchange that they want i think a free market recognizes trade and and barter and, and the right to basically use whatever you want as money as long as both parties involved agree mm-hmm on the value of that currency, whatever you're using this currency. But yeah, to answer your question, I think a lot more young people are
0: involved with it than older people are involved. Yeah, good. That gives me hope. All right. I, as I mentioned at the start of this, I got to take my kid to, to practice. Um, life of a dad, There's a, every night I'm running basketball practice, swimming practice, freaking everything. Anyway, yeah. I wanted to ask you one more question. Um, as a young man, okay, as an old man with kids, this whole, uh, rush Ukraine thing terrifies me. It terrifies me to think that we could tomorrow be at nuclear war. That's a, a real possibility. I, I worry about my kids' future on a smaller scale. I worry about these wars escalating and us going back into the days of drafts and my kids being drafted to go fight a war for a government that I don't support. Uh, how do you feel about Russia, Ukraine? Um, uh, I, I can already guess how you feel, but let me ask you, more than that how do people your age uh feel about war in general are they supporting ukraine like we see you know all the ukraine flags on twitter uh do they think about things like the draft it's been so long since we've had one what is the general vibe
1: um well i think to answer your first question russia ukraine I'm i'm a believer in the idea that europeans should fight european wars And Europeans should pay to fight European wars and the United States should not be the piggy bank of the world where they can just go to any time they need weapons or any time they need money for weapons or their own national defense. They should pay for their own national defense. Um, So that's where I stand on Russia, Ukraine. I don't think I do not think that we should give uh, Ukraine weapons. I don't think we should give them money. I don't think we should give them anything. Uh, if anything, our only role in that scenario, which is very limited in that of itself, is to send advisors and to send people to try to garner a peace agreement. I mean, we can be involved in that process. But as far as militarily, as far as financially, number one, we can't afford it. Number two, we should not be meddling European affairs. But to answer your second question, young people are a lot more anti-war than the old heads. Uh, Young people, even on the left, tend to be pretty anti-war and uh, young people certainly oppose compulsory military service, because guess what? If there's a if there's a draft, guess who the first people that are getting called are going to be? It's going to be young people. And uh, you're going to be expected to basically provide slave labor to a government. You're going to be expected to adhere to a to compulsory military service. Uh, and if you want to enlist, which I don't know anyone that wants to enlist right now, but if you wanted to enlist, that's fine. But if they just say, OK, you're basically we own your labor. We want you to fight this war and you're going to fight it. We're going to arrest you. That's compulsory military service. Young people oppose that because we would be the first people to be drafted. And I know I oppose it. And if you I mean, I don't know, maybe some young people out there are just like uh, talk about the glory of war. You have young neocons on social media that talk about how, oh, it's just so great. World War II, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't World War II awesome? And uh, we have to be very careful. We have to tread lightly in this situation because we're closer to nuclear war mm-hmm. uh, than we've been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, And, and World, which war, I don't
0: World War III would not look like World War II at all.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Because uh, in World War Three, it's likely a nuclear comp. Now, you would hope that cooler heads would prevail and you would just end up with an all out hot war, which nobody wants. Uh, But that's cooler heads prevailing. That's the best case scenario is millions dead from an all out military conflict. Yeah. If you don't factor in nuclear weapons. so I don't think anybody that cares about humanity
0: in general supports that. And
1: if you do, I think there's something wrong with your
0: mind. Yeah, it's interesting th- that you you started off there and you said even P- even young people on the left are not for war, which is a, a really interesting way to phrase it because when I was coming up, it was the left who was the the left who was largely anti-war and the mm-hmm. the right was gung-ho oh, wow. war. Yeah, and that seems to have flipped which just shows you even more how bullshit these two sides are there. They have no ethics other than their own personal gain. They have no
1: ethics, but more importantly, they have no principles. They They can abandon their principles at a moment's notice, depending on the situation.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, I do agree with you. We should stay out of it at almost all costs. Now, most naysayers will... Come back with the World War II argument. Well, if we didn't get involved in World War II and Hitler and blah blah blah, is there any point in time where you would say uh we need to get involved in this? No, not unless not unless uh, Sarah
1: Palin can see the Russians out of her bedroom window. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I I I agree. Uh, let's leave it at that. I'm not going to try to make the other case to you. I'll let someone else. Come on this show who believes that there is a time when we should get involved and let them make that case. Happy to debate them. Yeah. There's, there's, we should not be involved in any conflicts outside of our borders. It's, it's not fair to the people who live here. It's not fair to the rest of the world. It's not safe. Ezra, uh, I got to run. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I love uh, having young people on like you who, who give me faith in where society is headed. Um, so I hope you can find yourself into some positions of leadership coming up. Um, where? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, where can people uh, follow you? Where are you on social media? All that good stuff. You can
1: follow me on Twitter at Ezra for Liberty. I don't have any others set up yet, but I'm probably going to have to eventually. Um, but at Ezra for Liberty is my Twitter handle. I'm very active uh, on
0: Twitter. All right, guys, follow Ezra. I appreciate you coming on. Take care.